Thank you, Zach. Thank you, team. I, I, I want to hit us with the uh, last week of overwhelm. And um, this will be our fourth week, and it's been so fun. Bobby and I have had a good time walking through some of the realities of what it is to work our way out of overwhelm. If you missed last week's video with uh, Julie Homrich and I, she's a licensed professional counselor and just really one of the brightest people I've ever met. And uh, it's about 16 minutes. But in the coming weeks, well, we'll also have opportunities where she'll be doing some small group work and uh, she'll appear on some of our podcasts and begin to offer more and intentional help for us as we work our way through overwhelm. Because I've, I, everywhere I go, I see people that are overwhelmed. I mean, maybe you're one of those people who have never been overwhelmed. And if you are, you're one of the rarest humans on the planet. Because everywhere I go, people are stressed and maxed out about all kinds of things. And some of those things we put ourselves in, some of those things we've determined to stay in overwhelm, and some of those things are we're completely maxed out about what's happening circumstantially around our lives and in the world. And the, the challenge for us is that good, bad, happy, sad, we all have to learn the discipline of how we're able to live in the moment. Some, some modern philosophers would say and modern scholars would say that this is the act of being fully present. Now, I, I, don't, I don't really know exactly what that means, so I've taken a shot at trying to be a word of encouragement for you today by saying there's a lot of different ways to be present. You can be physically present and accounted for, and that's obviously important. I mean, I remember every time my dad wasn't at a ball game I played, and therefore I, I, I never wanted to miss a kid's play or, or, or miss a grandchild's play. I, that, that's important to be physically there. But the challenge is that to do so, we, we have to be present also and engaged also with the people and the person and the task that is at hand that God has allowed and ordained for that moment in our life. Because being present also means to be focused and engaged. It, it requires a focused engagement of every aspect of our being in the physical, in the mental, in the emotional, and even the spiritual. We live in a world that kicks against our being fully present in the moment of our life. We're bombarded 24-7 with requests and demands for our presence, primarily through social media, constantly connected to work with all of our devices, and never-ending distractions. We convince ourselves into thinking that the technology can somehow cause us to be omnipresent because we can multitask. And yet, the stark reality is that a person cannot multitask and be fully present at the same time. Those are not simultaneous human possibilities. Attempting to constantly multitask might actually border on idolatry because we make ourselves to be like God who alone is omnipresent. And how ridiculous is it to think that we could be God? It reminds me of a couple that was, uh, they had just become empty nesters and they were sailing across the Washington State Ferry going from Seattle to the Kipsit Peninsula. And while he was looking out across the bow of the boat, he was just marveling at the Olympic mountains with all the, the snow on the caps and the beauty of the trees and the water and its beauty and just the warm sun that was on his face. And he looked at his wife and he said, we need to do more like this. And he began the talk and she said, we ought to do more of 
what? And he said, take these kind of trips. He said, and he had the fresh air, the snow on the mountains, the trees taller than the buildings, all, all these things we ought to do. No kids, no grandkids, and nowhere, and nobody knows where we're at. And we, we need to take the time to enjoy all of this and slow down in this life. And his wife took a slow pause and reached over and patted him on the head and said, honey, but we're doing it right now. I fear that's what our life has become. That right in the middle of everything, we have decided in our society that the busier you are, the more important you are. The busier you are, the, the more in special you are. The, the busier you are, we even call that productivity. But it's past time that we recognize the desperate need that we all have to simply stop, be still, and know God. Did you notice that there is a slight change in what you know the scripture to say? Because the scripture says, be still and know that I am God from Psalm 46.10. But we're in desperate need to stop and know God. Because we're all in some version of overwhelm. I mean, we've all been there. I mean, if you're the parent of a preschooler right now, you're probably overwhelmed. And, and odds are good, at some point, you want to tell somebody, it's so hard. I want to give you some pastoral help here. Suck it up. You know what caused this child. You could have stopped this. You went forward with this monstrous thing that has overwhelmed your life because it never stopped. So let me give you this encouragement. You haven't even started parenting until they're 19. It is at that moment that overwhelm is truly a reality. It's like when one of your daughters who has a Toyota 4Runner fills it up with diesel. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Do you know why she did? Green looked like the right thing to choose. <laughs> it's when another daughter who goes away for a week leaves her sunroof open and it rains for four straight days. And there's six inches of water in the bottom of her Volkswagen Passat. We had to get her a boat captain license, but it worked. Or the child that runs the car completely empty of oil and goes to the place to get it repaired and says to the guy, my little teacup light is on the dashboard. If you don't know why that's funny, you need to ask somebody. At that present facility, there is a sign behind the cash register that now says, customer says, teacup light is the problem. I know overwhelm. Six daughters. I'm going to let that just sit with you for a minute. Because there are some people in the house right now going, how should I pray for that poor fellow? And yet they're incredible children who have offered some incredible blessings, but we know overwhelm, don't we? We know it. 
And it all comes in different forms with different people. So much of it is relational. But it's past time that we stop thinking multitasking and trying to do more is how we're going to work our way out of overwhelm. Now, this is not to make light of feelings. Those are real. And I believe, as we mentioned last week, God sends those as messengers to warn us that, hey, there's something that we need to deal with. And if we're going to deal with those, we might ought to look at the spiritual aspect as well. To be still and know that I am God happens before you are still and know that you know God. To know God, the voice of God, that it rings out in all the inhabitants of the earth in accents of assurance and certainty. Be still and know that I am God. And the rest of the verse says, and I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. And what that text really is saying is he's in charge of everything because he created it all. He is the one that controls it all, not us. To know God is to know we are not God. When we know we're not God, we can come to God in humility and know not only are you God, but I want to know you, God. And so when we get there, we can take Psalm 46, 11 and know that there are forces out there under the power of God that want to work for you to come out of overwhelm. Listen to Psalm 46, 11. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. I don't know about you, but I have had times in my life where I desperately needed to run into the fortress of God and let him wrap his arms around me and close the doors and say, we're going to walk you through this, son. Haven't you been there? Haven't you been where you wanted to run in the fort and know the Spirit of God would lock the door behind you and the presence of God would envelop you with his goodness and say, come on, my child, let's walk through this together. But listen, friend, to be in the moment means to first and foremost ask God to be present in our lives and to focus on his presence in our lives. To fully be present in any situation or relationship, we have to start there. And with that as the foundation for our understanding of what it means to be in the moment, I want to share with you quickly five in-the-moment Beatitudes. And each of these attitudes, the scripture literally tells us, are to be done at times and in every circumstance, in every moment, most especially when we are overwhelmed. So if you're taking notes, number one, I'm asking you to learn to be focused. Now you can say, well, Chuck, I am ADD, ADHD, I'm dyslexic, I can't focus on anything. Let me tell you the the fix for this, all right? This is huge for us to be fully engaged in the moments that God has ordained in our daily lives. And there are several passages that help us do this. Hebrews 3.1 says we are to think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. We are to set our minds on things above. Now, you you can say, well, Chuck, you, you don't know how busy I am. So I'm going to assume that many, maybe most of us, whether we're online or in the room right now, are thinking, Chuck, I don't have time to become a prayer warrior every morning, not to mention, I don't even know how to do it. Well, here's what I want you to give a try. Are you ready? It starts like this. God... I know you're God and I'm not. Because of that, I want to know you. And when I know you, God, I'm asking you to give me wisdom. And in that wisdom today, let me be fully focused on how you want me to live. 
Now notice I didn't say amen. Because what I'm asking you to do is let that be your prayer in the morning and midday and mid-afternoon and before you call it a day. God, I know that you're God and I'm not. God, I want to know you. As I know you, I can trust you. And in that trust, I'm asking you to do this one thing you promised, that when I ask for wisdom, you give me wisdom and let that wisdom be that kind of thing that keeps me focused on you, Lord, what you want me to do, your will, your way. But you cannot intentionally get God in your life without having that moment every morning. You say, well, Chuck, I, I don't have 10 minutes. What I just did will take you one minute, one minute to stop and intentionally make, to get God inside your day. Colossians chapter three says it this way. Since you've been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Why? Because that's where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then it goes on and says, so think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Now hidden, not meaning that you're away from, but that you are tucked safely in. You are tucked safely in the presence of Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Friend, I don't know about you, but I want to share in the glory of God. I want to share in the glory of God with you. When I come out of overwhelm, I want to share in the glory of God. I don't know any believer who truly is a believer that doesn't want to share in the glory and the goodness of God. Because if you don't want to share in the glory of God, let me introduce you to Jesus. And he will cause you to want and he will cause you to know the glory of God. You know how I know that? Because he is the glory of God. I look at that and I think, well, I, 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 want, I want to be focused, but I also want to be content. Being content with the moment and that you're in and not wishing for some other moment, either past or future, will help you abide in the present. Did that ring a bell? What did Jesus say we are to do? To abide in him. But to abide in him doesn't mean that you stop. It means that you are receiving the growth and the, the nutrients and the literal power of Christ so that you can do this moment. But Paul said that we had to learn to be content with all things. I, I don't know about you, but I I, am, I can become such a malcontent in my life. And, and I have learned from Paul, though, that the only way that I can live contented is if I live with gratitude. That if I am truly learning to be grateful for what I have. Here's a great truth. If you're not grateful for what you have, why in the world would God want to give you more? If, if you're not doing something with what you have, why would God want to give you more? If you want to overcome overwhelm, get grateful. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians 4. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And here's the verse we all know. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. But am I the only one that noticed that before he could claim that he could do everything in Christ, 
The one thing he said was, because I've learned to be content with what he's given to me. Friend, listen, if you'll just take that one time of prayer and add to it, and God, thank you. God, thank you. Which leads me to number three, that we should be prayerful. When the moment we're in is not a pleasant one, or it's trying our patience, we always have the option of turning to God in prayer. And again, let me go back to the prayer for the morning. Chuck, do you know if I stopped to pray in my office or on my job site, do you know what would happen to me? Well, now watch this. Let's just say you're walking over here. You're headed to a meeting. While you're headed to that meeting, let your heart and your head connect for one minute. God, today, I know that you're God and I'm not. I want to know you, God. And as I know you, I trust you. And as I trust you, I'm asking for wisdom. And in that wisdom that I might be fully present in this moment. May May I be a person that is prayerful. And God, would you grant for me the ability to live your way and then just walk into your meeting? You say, but Chuck, you didn't say in Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's because I never stopped the communication this morning. The line's still open. I'm still talking to him. And by the way, he's listening 100% because the beauty of God is he is always everywhere, fully present. Always, everywhere. Listen, Colossians chapter four gives us a clue to overcoming overwhelm by praying in the moment. Listen to this. Devote yourselves to prayer with a what? Alert mind and a thankful heart. Come on, how great is that? If you skip down a little bit, that's why I'm here in chains. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Paul is writing this while he's in jail. If anybody's got a right to be a malcontent, it's Paul. And he's saying, this is what you do. And then he finishes with saying, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Now watch this. If anything is needed in America today, it's a little gracious and attractive conversation. But he is saying that where you find out how to do that is in the presence of the Lord. Could I just stop? In my humanity, there is nothing gracious, nor is there anything attractive about me. I don't even speak that way because I can get as angry and flustered and as and just completely out of sorts. I actually saw Bobby out of sorts this week. I've never seen him out of sorts before. He said he was salty. Nobody knows what that means. But I'd never seen him been out of shape. It was so much fun. It was like a gift from the Lord. It's like, holy cow, he is human. In the moment, prayer is it's critical and powerful. It's tools to overcome overwhelm. Number four, be serving. Be serving. I mean, do you remember last week when Julie said that there were two groups in a Stanford study where both were high-stress people and one group didn't do anything for anybody else and the other group spent their time helping other people? The group that spent their time helping other people climbed out of overwhelm and their anxiety-riddled lives so much faster. The folks over here literally carried a 60% greater death rate. I mean, listen, when Jesus talks about how we're to love one another and how we're to care for one another, it involves action in our life. You say, well, Chuck, I don't have time to come pack bags. Sure you do. I mean, you come for a half an hour. Come do something to make a difference. Jump online and just pick a time. But It's amazing. I've seen people this week walk in that door looking like they've got the weight on the world and 45 minutes later see them dancing. 
But I will tell you, the playlist when you come to pack uh, bags is a little different than the church list. I knew something was wrong the other day when I, I, wa- I was walking across the room right here and Mauricio had gotten a hold of, of, of the computer. And all of a sudden, I heard, she's a brick house. And I thought, you don't hear that every day in church house. And I, I watched people that literally started dancing and laughing and carrying on because they were serving other people. Listen to what Proverbs nineteen seventeen says. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. This is a promise from God. Listen to this one, Matthew 23, 11. The greatest among you must be a servant. Listen to Mark 12, chapter 30. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all your strength. This was an answer to the question, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and all of your strength. In other words, everything you've got, you got to love God with that. And then he says, and by the way, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself For no other commandment is greater than these. So if you want to find your way out of overwhelm, stop finding what's wrong with everybody around you and start serving them and watch what God will do. And you say, well, Chuck, I'm just not wired that way. Okay, then let me be a blessing to you, okay? Stop it. Stop it. You're not doing anything to make the world better. Pointing out everybody else's fault isn't doing one blessed thing to move the kingdom forward or to make you better in your overwhelm. It will just send you deeper into the wallow. If you want to overcome your overwhelm, serve other people in the name of Jesus. God, I know you're God. God, I want to know you. As I know you, I trust you. Would you give me wisdom that I might live your way today? Allow me to be focused on you today. And finally... To be, just be kind. I mean, we are in a great shortage of kindness in America today. That just that somebody might just be nice is overwhelming to us. I mean, I I love it when somebody actually does something they say they're going to do and does it nicely. It's like, I want to hire you. It's like, can I adopt you, kid? This is wonderful. Jesus told us that When we do this, it frees us from the self-consciousness and self-pity because when we do everything with love, the Bible tells us that difficult circumstances are transformed with loving kindness. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 13 says. We use it in every wedding I've ever done. Love is patient. I hate that one. It's like, you've got to be kidding, Lord. I mean, Jen can tell you I'm the most impatient human on the planet. Then love is kind. I'm one of the most unkind people I know. I mean, it's like God's working on me. It's like, Chuck, stop being a jerk. I want you to be kind. How can I have called you to be a pastor and you just be a knucklehead? It's like, well, God, I'm good at being a knucklehead. Okay, but stop it. Listen to this. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. I am a grump-a-dump when things don't go my way. Is anybody with me on that? Are you a grump-a-dump at times? I can grump-a-dump with the best of them. Jenny calls me on it. Are you a grump-a-dump? And you know what my answer is? No. You know what I just proved? I'm a grump-a-dump. Listen to it. And it keeps no record of being wrong. Well, let me remind you what you did. 
Well, let me tell you what you did wrong. By the way, if you want to fix your marriage, one of the first things that I would encourage you to do is stop keeping score. Stop keeping score on time. Stop keeping score on who did the most rights or wrongs. Just love. Oh, listen to this. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. It's like, oh, my stars, I can come out of overwhelmed by just speaking truth? Yeah. Oh, and love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Come on. It's like, where did we go wrong? Listen to what Mark Twain said. I mean, it's not like anybody's going to confuse him, you know, with R.C. Sproul or somebody. Kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Why do you pack all these meals, Chuck? Because this is what it is when you're kind. When you get focused on the things of God, he'll, call you, he'll cause you to go do the things of God. When, when, when you get focused, then you, you learn what it is to be content with the things of God. You, you learn to be prayerful so you know God. You, you learn to be serving because you want to act like God. And you be kind because this is how you're going to change the world. You're not going to scream people into heaven. You're not going to point out people's fault into the kingdom. You, you, can't, you can't just scream at the whole world and tell them what's wrong because Jesus came and looked at the most sinful people of his day and said, come on, let's go to your house and have a party. He looked at a girl and wrote in the sand and said, where did all your accusers go? Let's go and sin no more. I love you. Somewhere along the line to get out of overwhelm, we got to act a little more like Jesus. And maybe today you'd say, well, Chuck, how do I do that? You call on his name. Jesus, would you step into my life? I want you to become the boss of my life. I'm tired of living for me. I want to live for you. And I want to thank you. You died for me to pay the price for my sin, my selfishness, and every bad choice I've ever made. And then you rose from the dead so that I didn't have to die, but I could live in heaven with ever. And it, I can't imagine how cool heaven's going to be. I mean, even so, come Lord Jesus. I mean, I, I'm going to catch fish all day long. I can eat as many Krispy Kremes as I want. I mean, heaven's going to be, a, I can't even get over it. But between now and heaven, he also says, I'm going to walk with you in every way. Man, don't miss the blessing of God. Call on his name today. God, thank you. Lord, let us get focused and contented. Let us be prayerful before you and serving in your name. And God, I pray we'd just be gracious and kind and that, Lord, you'd speak into our life and you'd overwhelm us that on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday of this week, that these Beatitudes would become our attitudes, that you'd use them to draw us out of being overwhelmed and become overwhelmed with your goodness and your grace and your presence. God, let us be in the moment grateful for what you've done, what you are doing, and what you're yet to do. For every person today that would say, Chuck, I'm that person, I'm that guy, I'm that girl, I'm that lady, I'm that man, I'm that businesswoman, or I'm, I'm that construction worker, or whatever it is that you are and you heard. I, if that's where I got to start, I want to call on Jesus' name. Count me in on that prayer. God, hear their cry and step into their life and begin the journey out of overwhelm and overwhelmed with you. Lord, we trust you and we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. 
when you came in today, you received a little brown bag. And in that bag, there's a, there's a, there's a red magnet. It's got each of the next six days listed. It's got a text that I just absolutely love from Philippians 4 that we use today. And I, w- I want to ask you to take the pen that's in this bag and each day I want you to go to a day and I want you to mark on that day what it is in your life that you're going to work on to overcome overwhelm. I just wrote my Monday self-talk. Because man, I can convince myself of all the things I can't do and let Satan get in my head. And I bet that never happens to y'all. But man, it, it can happen to me where I can hear Satan say, Chuck, you're just not enough. It's like, Chuck, come on, you're, you're old, you're fat, you're, you're balding, you're, come on. You, you. And then I, then I let the Spirit of God well up in me and I can almost feel him start to choke hold Satan in my life and kicking him out of my life and hear the Spirit of God say, but you're my kid, Chuck. You don't have to count on you, you're my kid. I live inside of you and you count on me. It's not your character on the line. It's my character on the line, Chuck. It's not your strength. It's my strength, Chuck. And all of a sudden, I begin to well up and I think, no more self-talk like that. My talk will be, in God I trust. In Him I know He will deliver. It will be Him that does the work and it will be Him that will get the glory. And friend, today, let that be whatever it is your overwhelm is this week. Remind you every day. God, I know I'm not God and you are. God, I want to know you. And because of that, I need to talk with you. So I ask you for mercy today. And Lord, the more I know you and the more I receive that trust and that mercy, then I know how to live for you and to be fully present in this moment, to be fully engaged in this moment. Lord, that might drive me that I'm prayerful, that I'm contented, that I'm focused, that I'm serving. And God birthed inside of me a graciousness and a kindness that looks just like you. Let that be our week. Come on, let's worship the Lord and we'll go home. So when I fight on my knees, yeah. my hands lifted high, oh God. because he's always good. Now take your finger just like this and point it right at yourself. Because he's always good, you are always loved. Come on. And when days get difficult and hard, whoo, Zach, that same Jesus will come along and he will pick you up 
And he's not going to walk you around your overwhelm. That's too simple. He's going to walk you through the middle of it. So on the other side, you can kind of pick that chin up a little bit. Puff that chest out a little bit and know, my God, set me down victoriously on my two feet. Wrap me up with his big arms. Looked at me eyeball to eyeball. And I heard him say, my child, say it with me. I love you. Woo! That's good. Hey, y'all, sign up to help us finish. God bless you. Go in peace.